Welcome to Agatha Christie, She Watched, our spoiler-heavy look at the movie and TV adaptations of the mystery genre's greatest writer. I'm Bill Peschel of Peschel Press, publishers of the annotated novels of Agatha Christie, and today we're talking about repressed memories, seaside homes, shipboard romances, and Jacobean revenge tragedies. It's Sleeping Murder, the 2005 episode from the Japanese anime Agatha Christie's Great Detectives, Poirot and Marple. But first, let me introduce my partner in marriage, as well as crime of the fictional kind, Teresa Peschel. Hello, Teresa. How are you doing today? Hi. I'm going to have to work hard to think of something clever and witty to say about this version of Sleeping Murder, and maybe I'll succeed. We'll find out. This is just, or this just may be the first 15-minute episode. So. <laughs> we don't script these in advance, folks. This is all off the cuff, and Bill does a little cleanup to remove all my ums and uhs, but we just talk. We're also fumbling because we're figuring this out as we go along. Like, we discussed the last episode, which we saw the mystery of End House, which is from this series, and that was a Poirot episode. And this one focuses on Miss Marple. There are actually 39 episodes in Agatha Christie's Great Detectives Poirot and Marple. The connecting tissue seems to be the made-up character of Maybelle West, uh, Raymond West's daughter, and her duck, Oliver. She is in all of the mystery stories, but it does not look to me, without watching all 39 episodes, which I am not going to do, it does not appear to me that Miss Marple and Poirot appear together. What we have seen so far says that they are staying very true to the individual stories other than using Maybelle West as the continuity agent between each of the shows. Maybelle does not just get shoehorned in. What happens is she essentially takes the place of another character. In Mystery at End House, she basically got all of Hastings' lines, and the lines that she didn't get went to Oliver the Duck. In Sleeping Murder, Maybelle gets all of Giles's lines. If you recall the novel, Gwenda's husband Giles shows up very early on, and he is absolutely thrilled to play boy detective. He is in virtually every scene with Gwenda trying to figure out what's going on. All of those lines went to Maybelle. The other thing I would like to point out, that there may actually be, if you start at episode 1 and watch all the way to episode 39, a story arc for Maybelle where she starts out as, I want to be a detective, and she hires on with Waroe, and she is pulling away from her family. We saw a little bit of that today with uh, her father, Raymond West. You know, you don't write. When are you coming home? I mean, she's 14. She looks like she is 14. And she's traipsing around England researching murders. There's a sense at the end of it that she needs to write home more. She needs to see her parents once in a while so that they can reassure themselves that their 14-year-old daughter is not putting herself in harm's way. And this is really only a guess that she's 14, just basically from the way she's drawn, but not from necessarily the way she acts. And this is kind of indicative of the series as a whole, is how thin everything is. This is a girl who's, who's seeing dead bodies regularly. And she's perfectly fine with it. Yeah, it doesn't seem to, doesn't seem to mind very much. 
The other thing that I wanted to bring up, this is very English looking and yet it's made by a Japanese company uh, which specializes in anime and uh, they do some manga as well. For those of you who don't know, anime is uh, Japanese cartoons, Japanese animation, and manga are Japanese comic books. And they They're are graphic novels, dear. <laughs> They're comic books. I know a comic book when I see one and they are comic books and I don't care if you tart them up by saying graphic novels. They they are comic books, but they're very different from American comic books, and not just because you read them from back to front and right to left. They are very different. And if you've seen Japanese movies like the Kurosawa movies, you get the idea of the aesthetics, just as simple as something as cutting away to a field or a sky that forces you to contemplate the story rather than just jumping to the next scene, jumping to the next scene. Western storytelling is very efficient in terms of just going plot, 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 which Japanese tends to take their time more. And their anime is, it's just different. It's hard to describe. It looks very English. There's some lovely watercolors. Uh, the settings, like the church scene that you see towards the end when Gwenda's stepmother, Helen, marries Kelvin Halliday. And it's a beautiful, evocative watercolors. There's nothing in there that looks Japanese, and yet it doesn't feel English. It doesn't look like anime. It, it does not make you think of, if you're familiar with uh, My Neighbor Totoro or Spirit of Way, there's nothing about it that says Japanese, and yet it doesn't feel English, and I really can't explain why. It just doesn't. And it isn't the cute, cute sidekick either, because Disney does cute sidekicks all the time, and Oliver the Duck is very cute, but it's just different. Well, some of it shows up in the attitude as well. There will be certain lines that a character will say that is very Japanese-oriented. Miss Marple is talking to Miss Maybell and the others about the case, and she finishes up by saying, then let's do our best by working together. And you know Miss Marple would never, never say, say that. <laughs> but with the Japanese focus on teamwork and living together, because you live in a very crowded country, that very crowded cities where everybody's working cheek by jowl, getting along is paramount, even to the point of suppressing emotions. The team spirit that infuses the Japanese workplace as well. It's just a different culture, so sometimes it does show up. Getting back to the actual story, this is Sleeping Murder, and it is the last novel that was ever published under Agatha Christie's name. She wrote it back in the early 40s during the war, World War II, and it went into the vault, and it was not published until after her death. So Miss Marple is still actually relatively young. She's quite spry. The novel describes her out there working in Gwenda Reed's new garden, pulling out bindweed. The anime episode covers all of the high points of the novel really pretty well. They didn't do major changes other than removing Giles and replacing him with Maybell and the Duck. His entire part vanishes until the end when he shows up. Minor characters disappeared, which you expect in an adaptation. Second-tier characters have less to do. They get simplified. It really did follow the story quite closely, except, of course, for Maybell and the Duck. The one place where they expanded is when Gwenda Reed joins Raymond West and Maybell and uh, Miss Marple at watching the Duchess of Malfi. You listen to more of the stage presentation of the Duchess of Malfi, which, I ha which is not in the novel and which I haven't seen in the other adaptations. So you're not quite as startled as out of the blue when Gwenda panics. You have a little bit more idea of the storyline. 
I guess when Agatha wrote The Duchess of Malfi, she assumed that more people would know the storyline. But, Bill, do you know anything about The Duchess of Malfi other than it was a, a Jacobean tragedy and probably left the stage simply littered with bodies? I was looking up the phrase that they were using in there that triggered Gwenda's memories. Although it's presented, first of all, as something supernatural. Cover her face, mine eyes dazzle, she died young. That's the phrase. And it turns out, and this is, I don't think we saw this in the other episodes. That is what, since we're spoiler alert here, this is what Dr. Kennedy said over her body. Over Helen's body. And that's what Wenda remembers. Yeah, and he was quoting the brother in The Duchess of Malfi who murdered his sister over revenge for an in inappropriate marriage. I guess he was planning on, um, I guess this duke or whoever he was, was planning on marrying his sister off in a more advantageous way to himself because that's usually what happens with women of the nobility. They, got, they get married off in order to enrich the families. According to Wikipedia, that all-knowing source of information, it's a love story in which the Duchess marries beneath her class and ends as nightmarish tragedy as her two brothers undertake their revenge, destroying themselves in the process. So if you know the Duchess of Malfi going in, you probably have a really good idea who did it. Right from the get-go. And in fact, later on, as I remember from the novel, Miss Marple says the Duchess of Malfi was the clue who murdered the Duchess, why it was her brother. Yeah. Who murdered Helen, why it was her brother. Mm-hmm. And she also pins together the clue that why would you take the steps and move them from the logical place and put them off to the side unless you move the steps to hide the disrupted ground where you put the body? One of the difficulties with murderers is what do you do with the body? There aren't really very many places where you can hide a body and people do tend to notice if you leave a body in the middle of the road. So that's why bodies have a tendency to get concrete blocks and thrown overboard, or they're put in the trunks of cars and driven into lakes, or they're put into the trunks of cars and left in airport long-term parking or in storage units. And bodies have been found in those places. Yes, well, and also bodies after three days, like house guests, begin to smell. Or mice. Like mice. <laughs> we just went through that just this past week, went searching through the unfinished basement in the laundry area for a dead mouse. And, and the, boy. The, the smell is amazing. That's ooh. why when, that's why if you kill someone, you've got to do something with the body that no one's going to notice. In the end. And if you don't have a car that you can abandon in a, in a convenient nearby lake or airport long-term parking... There's your freezer. <laughs> but for those who haven't read Sleeping Murder, there is a patio, a back patio that overlooks the sea. And there's a couple of steps going down. And Dr. Kennedy, after uh, killing Helen, decided to bury her next to the patio on the side and to cover that up. Had the, steps, had the gardener move the move, steps. Move the three steps that go down from the patio off to the side. So this was outside. And yes, it was disturbed ground. Much in the same way like a Halloween party where you have the folly, you know, disturbed ground. Yes, the ground is already dug up. And, and so you, you don't it up. you don't pay attention, whereas if you suddenly have a grave appear in the middle of the lawn, uh, <laughs> people do tend to notice and they yeah. do tend to ask prying questions. Yes, like why is that dead patch of grass rectangular and body sized? <laughs> so yes. Even if you're relatively careful to stripping off the sod. Most of us aren't really very good at stripping off sod to put it back. 
so that it's healthy. You have to get a couple of inches of soil and roots with it. Well, and you have to get rid of the excess dirt if you want the ground to be as level as before because you have displacement there by the by the body. And oh, and then the up. soil sinks as the body starts to decay. Yep. And then you see that's why they mound graves. It isn't just because you don't have any other place to put the dirt. It's because over time the soil level is going to sink. And so you, if you start with a mound, eventually it becomes more uh, level. <laughs> and no, we're not planning on killing anybody. But, you know, you get that mindset. When you're writing murder mysteries, you have to think about the body and what to do with it. So Composting. You know. Remember, a big compost pile will eat elephants if it's big enough and hot enough. But that's getting not what to, they did. Back, <laughs> back to sleeping back murder. To sleeping murder. The Japanese version. It was interesting because I really didn't know what to expect, knowing that Miss Marple was going to be the star instead of Poirot. What I didn't expect, is that it was much flatter and more talky than Mystery at End House, with, although you liked this one better. Of a degree, because this one had more things happening, but it really was still very flat. And I can understand why, after, because we've seen the previous episodes of Sleeping Murder from the two Marple series. Mm-hmm. Which were wildly different, by the way. Wildly different, but a lot more fun. And part of it is the reason this animation is so flat, because, of course, they're cheapening on the animation. So oh you have gosh. lots of static images with, with the camera panning across. There's almost no facial expressions, really. And because there was so much talking, as you're listening to Gwenda go on and on about her memories, or you're listening to Miss Marple, and then you're looking at the, the flat animation, you're not looking at actors who make it more interesting where or the camera pans around them so like if you're seeing miss marple giving her discussion the camera is moving around looking at other people reacting miss marple stands miss marple moves miss marple waves her hands miss marple sprays for green fly whatever it is that she's doing it's just much more active than this and there's more to see as well a cluttered background gives you something more to focus on whereas all the interiors here are very stripped because they have to get you to focus on the actors to focus on the characters and it's easier to draw when we look at one of the episodes and we're looking at jackie afflick who the uh guy the sort of cockney guy who's a little tough and he runs the bus service and uh, was courting Gwenda and you have Helen. Helen yes uh, courting Helen and he's he has that look of a street tough he looks interesting he looks like somebody you don't want to cross and he's acting tough as well whereas in the animation version he's just another handsome bland face yeah he is he's another handsome bland face the same thing with Walter Fane another handsome bland face and one thing I would say about the novel is that Agatha had both Walter Fane and Jackie Affleck loop into the climax because Dr. Kennedy summoned them i can't remember the details anymore but dr kennedy summoned them in order to set up an alibi for himself for when he murdered attempted to murder giles and gwenda that disappeared agatha never finished off either of those plot threads particularly the one of walter fane who never married he fell in love with helen holiday and he never could move past her he could never see anyone else but helen Whereas Jackie Affleck did marry someone else, but you get the impression from the novel he married for status and money and power, and he's not particularly happy with his wife, but he's kind of stuck because he doesn't want to lose his status and connections. But neither of them were ever able to forget Helen Spenlove Kennedy. You don't get any kind of a conclusion for that, and sometimes the film versions do give you a little bit of a conclusion 
the scriptwriter takes their opportunity to finish up something that Agatha didn't do. Here, it was all so simplified, we didn't get any of that. And it was four 30-minute episodes. You subtract out the, car the commercials, and you're looking at uh, 90 minutes. They really simplified out a lot of the plot. And you lose all the little bits, too. And I guess this is what really makes watching this fascinating. I attributed it to eating boiled chicken without salt. It was that bland. And you lost all the little ones. I'm trying to think there was the third suitor from Sleeping Murder. Erskine. Erskine. Okay, yeah, Erskine. Because there was one of them where they visited Erskine. He had to talk in the garden because, because his, his wife, wife was so jealous. His wife yes. would be so jealous that even after 18 years, talk, just talking about her would upset the wife. All of that went away. And you didn't get any sparkle to replace it. And this no. is where the cute sidekick, the cute duck sidekick comes in because you saw a lot more of the duck in Mystery at End House. And here, the duck might as well have been stuffed. The duck had no personality at all. And when I see a cute animal sidekick, I expect some personality, I expect some flair, I expect to see feathers fly, and nothing. There, I mean, that was, was the nothing. most amazingly well-behaved duck to the point where that duck was on Quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed they named it Oliver, and I wondered if they named it after Ariadne. Oh, I never thought of that. And I had this weird feeling of thinking, this is Ariadne's soul in there. This is She's condemned to hell. <laughs> it's one of these mystery series that she can't get out. Oh, you know, I bet you're right. That might be why they, they chose that name, because Ariadne Oliver. Mm-hmm. And why not use the name Oliver? You can you can name a duck Oliver, and it's not as obvious as Ariadne. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, after watching this, it really shows just how well when Disney and Pixar put their movies out, how engaged we are with them. And this wasn't engaging. It was adequate. It worked. If your kids can tolerate subtitles or they speak Japanese, it's a... <laughs> It's a good way of introducing Agatha Christie storylines to the 10 and under audience. Just show them Great Mouse Detective instead. It's, it's not <laughs> Christie, but it's mysteries. And it's Sherlock Holmes instead. It is Sherlock Holmes. That is definitely that. Sherlock Holmes. If you can put a mouse in a deerstalker and, and, and have him smoking a pipe and recognize Sherlock Holmes, you know you, you've got Sherlock. That's right. And besides, the thing about the Great Mouse Detective is that you also get a bar fight and mouse strippers. strippers. <laughs> yes. What was, what was the song? Let me, it was I'm taking blue, my blue. Blues off, off for you. you. Take the blues away for you. And yes, yes, and the, and the mouse dress. is wearing a blue dress. So. Blue dress and a blue scarf, and she takes her blues away for her audience. Mm -hmm. uh. All by implication, by the way. But it was for a Disney cartoon for children. That was still like, oh, wow, one for, one for the dads in the audience. Okay. And there was nothing like that here. Oh, Lord. It was, I mean, even the scene in the theater where they're watching the Duchess of Malfi, you don't see anything on the stage. Right. So you're not seeing the drama. You did get some of the dialogue, but you're seeing Gwenda and Raymond and Miss Marple and Maybell and the duck watching, <laughs> you know, and their reaction. But you're not seeing the stage presentation of the Duchess of Malfi. And I guess, you know, again, it's littered. <laughs> with bodies so we don't do that but it was i guess if uh, it, it, it was flat 
Yeah. It was flat. I think in the and end, it, that's pretty much all you can say about it. It was reasonably accurate as these things go, probably better than a lot of the adaptations we have seen. This was much more faithful to the plot, other than swapping out Maybell for Glenda's husband, Giles. It was considerably more faithful to the text, um, but it was just flat. I really can't suggest that if you want to skip reading the novel that you watch this episode... <laughs> The novel's not that hard to read. The so novel's not that hard to read. It's a good novel. You'll it. enjoy you'll get, it. You'll be better. If you want to learn more about this, there is a page on Wikipedia. Just look it up under the title and they'll give you all the information about the episodes and what stories they're based off of. And the episodes, we found it on YouTube. So go ahead and take a look for yourself if it's something you want to pursue. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I suspect, but I don't know, that if you watch them in order from the 1st through the 39th, there may be a story arc for Maybelle, a very gradual one in which she grows up. And I don't think there would be any character development, to be honest. But yeah, the I don't first think one would set it up, and the last one would probably give you the finale, but that would be yeah. it. And I don't think, even though you have in the title, you have Poirot and Marple together, I don't believe that they ever appear in an episode together. I don't think they do. I don't know, but I don't think they do because the one thing you can say about the series is they did try to be very accurate to the stories they were adapting. So again, this is going to be a short episode, and I guess we can go on from here to the other Japanese live-action movies. Oh, yes. we have several of them We've now. got several of them, and looking forward to them. So we'll see you next week at the movies. Yes, bye-bye. Agatha Christie, She Watched, is Teresa Peschel and Bill Peschel. Produced by Bill Peschel. Theme song, Call to Adventure, by Kevin McLeod. New episodes come out every week wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast... You can help support us by going to anchor.fm backslash mystery and leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on Mystery She Watched, email peschel at peschelpress.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to peschel at peschelpress.com. And thank you for listening.